0: Hi, this is the Game of Mavens podcast. I am the host, the person who brings everyone together, no Oguchi, and uh, this topic for this episode is Metal Gear Solid One, like the, the first Metal Gear Solid game. First and, and just, best. And the stuff all around it, you know. Before we kind of go into the, before we like gaze into the abyss that is the rest of the series, I guess you could say. And uh, with me, I have uh, well, n- once again, like new people. Introduce yourselves first. So why don't you go ahead?
1: Uh, oh, hi. Uh Mark Wedding, uh, of Squadron of Shame podcast. Uh moonlighting a little bit here with uh Game Mavens and a big Metal Gear fan. Mm. I'm here to talk.
0: Yeah, you're uh, like you remember uh, you call it? Sean Elliott like on um, the last UW, he was like Internet Superstar
1: beige? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Internet Superstar Beige. As as heard by Sean Elliott's derision.
0: <laughs> or like also like the one up yours episodes where they would like joke about like uh I said they're gonna go into some like deep discussion and then they're like, Oh no, actually they're not actually Yes, I,
1: I I used to start very many large threads on the boards. Using Sometimes the about metal gear.
0: <laughs> Apparently using the ball tag in the threads when stuff. Yes, yeah. I'm a fan. Hmm. Sorry, uh <laughs> sorry about that. And then uh and then returning, uh again is uh Ryan. Hi.
2: Ex admin Metal Gear Solid, the unofficial site, I guess is pretty much it for me
0: (laughs) excuse me yeah alright so let's just leap into the discussion
1: Yeah, okay, um, I'm going to take offense with the idea that Metal Gear is the best Metal Gear game ever made, but uh, I, I, understa- I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, solid one. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the original, playing the original Metal Gear when it was uh, an NES, uh, a horrible NES travesty. Actually, it's not that bad, but um, when Kojima was just, you know, figuring out who he was uh, artistically. I, I'm a, actually a Snake Eater fan, so I guess I'll just get that out of the way. Uh, right away, but uh, I will say that uh, in the top list of you know games which are near and dear, uh, up until the release of Metal Gear Solid Four, I would have told you that Metal Gear was the best series that <laughs> had ever been put to disk. I think uh, I'm gonna. Li- I think I'm gonna like talking to you.
0: Yeah, we're gonna run into this a lot, aren't we? Yeah, uh,
1: you want a really interesting experience. Try playing the entirety of Metal Gear Solid 4 with your mother-in-law, who knows nothing about Metal Gear. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because that was my Christmas two years ago. Uh, went all the way back to the Gaudi codex that went out on the PS3. It was like, no, no, Lynn, you have to understand. This guy, and there's this arm, and this dude, and yeah, this is Snake. And she put up with it really well. She she likes to humor me, but, uh, you know, I think... Uh, that's I'm not sure if Kojima was exactly her speed. The uh, Johnny and the Johnny in the drum caused a
2: little concern.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think at that
2: point the it all becomes recursive. At that point, you know, you just yes. you kind of realize, you know, maybe there's something
1: wrong here. <laughs> the original, however, amazing game. Although I did miss it the first time it came out on the uh, PlayStation. My first experience with Middle Gear was uh, on my PC, actually. After having seen it on store shelves for years and years and hearing console people, I remember hearing two guys talk about it in a bar that I used to work at uh, when I was in university, uh, going on and on about this game where you could smoke cigarettes and blow smoke into, um, you know, tripwires and follow guys through their footprints on the snow. And it, it sounded insane. At that point in time, I was busy playing Thief Two and that or Thief uh, that era of stuff, and I remember thinking, "Wow, like consoles had really advanced this far." And then uh, I kind of forgot about that. Years later, uh, picked up a copy, was like, "Oh yeah, Metal Gear. I guess I should play that. It's supposed to be good." Sat down, uh, cracked it open. was immediately like completely hypnotized by it, despite the fact that I had to play through the whole damn thing uh, on W S A D. Uh, you know, pre- please press the Take your controller out of port one, and I'm staring at my keyboard. <laughs> oh my God, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now they had a, they had an interesting way of getting around that on the old PC version, which was to change. They made you change your key configuration. So if you had W S A D whatever mapped, you had to switch to alternate key maps to get through the Psychomantis fight. Awesome. But it was enough. It was enough for me to get the the thread of what it was they were talking about. But yeah, and I I called up my buddy immediately after beating it which probably took me about a, i don't know not longer than it takes you to beat metal gear these days uh having played it through probably more than any other game i own i think i can probably do a dry run from the beginning all the way to rex uh in what two or 3 hours what's it what's it take to do a clean metal gear run not but that, it took yeah. me a, a, Yeah, it took took me about maybe two days of play, and I remember calling up a friend and just ranting on the phone, like, "Oh my god, you got to play this game! It's so fantastic!" You know, blah blah blah. You should see. You know, I I went on this whole like tangent about Zen Buddhism and uh, and its uh, you know implementation in the in Metal Gear. So I, you know, I've been in love ever since, and it's been an on again, off again sort of love relationship. But uh, you know, we we went through that rocky period with La Lale La, Uh, you know, then we were back on again with Snake Eater. Then Metal Gear Solid four. So I think, you know, Hideo and I and Metal Gear and I were we're still pretty solid. I, I have to say there's a lot of love. So yes. My initial thoughts on Metal Gear Solid one. Um it was weird. I mean coming to it from a mostly PC gamer perspective at the time that it was released. Um, there was so much about it that was straight up console. Like the last time I played a down over the you know top down isometric sneaking around kind of game, that that kind of thing just didn't happen in that world at that time. So I knew I was looking at something different. And you know, Hater and the Codex and and the crazy intricate uh story, you know, it's Japanese soap opera melodrama, but it's so awesome. And fist fights on top of burning mechs, and incredible escape sequences, and you know, Celtic uh, crazy people singing there at the end. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> it, it's got it all. If you wanna, if you wanna act, uh, talk about the game that got it all in ten hours with no filler, it's Metal Gear. Anyway, all right. how about you fellows? <laughs>
0: what you call it we tried to record it like this is the actually the, i guess sort of behind the scenes look for the people listening and like, this is actually the second time we're recording about mgs1 because uh, i guess we mentioned off mic again like you had this epic tangent about all sorts of media and stuff and uh it kind of uh, us, left us strained about talking about middle gear solid one so <laughs> I guess one is that uh, you know record be recording so it helps to uh, t- have a like, you know, not be so sleepy to record, I guess. Might
2: actually stay on topic this time, cause the last time what we went we went on a, a tangent about Metal Gear Solid 2 versus Metal Gear Solid 4 for what? Like an hour and a half? An hour and a half, yeah. Actually checked the, the time block. It was actually like an hour and a
0: half. Yeah. <laughs> and uh Yeah, so because uh, 'cause I'm too chicken, chicken shit to sit speak right away, so Ryan want you to <laughs>
2: Well I mean in terms of MGS1 I, you know like I was saying earlier there's there's not much room to hold any sort of major discourse about it other than what it accomplished in gaming I mean that kind of rewrote the the book on on cinematics and 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 cinematic games uh you know generally everybody liked it and and <sighs> I mean what can you say about MGS1 that hasn't already been said for the most part? I mean we're we're dealing with a game that 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 you know tackled a few different pretty heavy themes, you know, genetic manipulation on one end, uh, you know, nuclear weaponry, political scandal. I mean they kind of covered their bases generally and I mean at that point if you had played Metal Gear 2, you know, it's it's kind of par for the course, but it had never been been done so I don't know, openly at that point. Um I don't know. I was. It was. I think, like you, like you said earlier, was uh, was Kojima kind of finding his voice still at that point, and I think that's where he was like, you know, maybe I'm onto something here. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and then he went all diva with it. But
1: <laughs> when I saw the monkey on the di- in the diaper on Metal Gear Four, I had to take one of my friends aside, who wasn't quite as died in the wool of Metal Gear convert as myself, and say, "Look, you're either in or you're out." <laughs> This is, you know, this is Kojima. You have to, either have to have faith that somehow this will pan out, or you have to cut bait. But you know, we are the faithful. We know what the critical take is on MGS, but I'm sure that's not why we're here. I'm interested in why you guys spe- spe- uh, specifically love Metal Gear. Like, what outside of the game critic, like the
2: game critics' uh, stamp on it, there's a reason why we're on this show. <laughs> I was I was personally speaking I was lucky enough to to have been familiar with Metal Gear um, since it first came out on NES is when I start started playing it and then shortly after I had the opportunity to play it on MSX so I've I've kind of been around since since then um, Metal Gear Solid One is definitely what what made it kind of a, a passion at that point you know that that's when it kind of became something okay you know this is gonna this is going to be a game that I'm going to remember forever. You know, this is going to be one of my favorites. Um, MGS1 is definitely what kind of opened that door, because, I mean, to somebody who's in... I'm trying to remember what was it, middle school at the time, something like MGS1 is mind-blowing. You know, you, you don't play games like that at that age. You know, usually you're used to stuff where where the, the objective is go there, get that, come back, beat the bad guy, and you're done. And, you know, in a sense you know, from a gameplay perspective, MGS1 still kind of did that, but at the same time they were throwing in all these heavy concepts, so I mean to a middle schooler, that's just like you know that's like, you know, you hear some kids sitting in their rooms and all of a sudden they hear Led Zeppelin on the radio for the first time and they're like (laughs) you know, this is what it's all about, and I kind of had that moment with MGS1 um, you know, overall in terms of of how I feel about the franchise uh, Kojima Kojima and I haven't really been you know, seeing eye to eye since MG, <laughs> since MGS four um, kind of kind of killed it for me. Uh, Peace Walker did a little bit to kind of repair that, but I mean, I don't want to go on another tangent about MGS four here. Yeah. But just just looking at MGS one in particular, I mean, it's one of those games that you can't really find a major fault in. You know, it was it was very succinctly and very very. Uh, Everything was intentional in that game. You know, every every last aspect of it. There there wasn't a lot of guesswork in terms of of, of design. You know, there wasn't much room for error in it. And it's you know you can the, even even with the with the dated graphics, you can go back and play that today, and and you're gonna get generally the same experience.
1: a friend of mine to the Metal Gear series and we started with the Twin Snakes because I didn't have a copy of the original Metal Gear on hand. So I kind of had to handhold him through the initial part and say, okay, I understand that it's like this but with 100% less extreme. You know, there's no spin kicking and, and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But he actually really dug it, you know, after we played through Metal Gear 2 and Metal Gear 3 he went back to the Twin Snakes and he was like, okay, yeah, I understand um, the thing that really impressed him about it, he's a game designer, uh, by sort of by trade, and uh, we were playing it on advanced difficulty, whatever the highest uh, Twin Snakes difficulty is, and we'd gotten all the way to the point where you were escaping in the jeep after fighting uh, Rex. And I had not actually used the um, throw-somebody-in-the-human-shield uh, maneuver, And walk around with them, pointing your gun at somebody else. And I was dying over and over and over again at the last segment. And suddenly I sort of sat bolt upright in my chair and said, Wait, there's one more trick that Hideo uh, has left. I haven't done this. God damn it. That's why we can't get out of this room. Grabbed a guard, pointed a gun, shot my way out through the escape sequence and hopped in the jeep. And he stood up and he was was completely uh, uh, blown away by that. And he was like, man, they absolutely made you use every single trick in your arsenal. All the way from remote bombs to... Uh, you know the Nikita missile to the grab some guy in a chokehold to drag him out of there in order to finish the game. This is the best piece of design I've ever seen. And then he sat down. So uh, I don't know if it was like that with the original Metal Gear, but uh, that's that's what his takeaway was from the Twin Snakes.
2: Let me ask you something. Since since you had somebody whose whose first experience uh, with Metal Gear was the Twin Snakes, and I was I was talking with uh, with Joey about this earlier, and I was hoping that I would find somebody who who had that as their first experience <clears throat> at a later sequence in the game when you're when you 're forced to uh heat and cool the uh, the uh, the pal key mm-hmm. um, in the twin snakes they kind of cut that sequence the the time it takes to complete that sequence down dramatically because if you look pretty much if you walk into rex 's hangar and you look over to the right, there are two pipes along the wall for heating and cooling. And you can just shoot a pipe, instant hot. Shoot a pipe, instant cool. And you can complete that. What would you, what you, what in the original Metal Gear Solid would have taken you about a half hour, 45 minutes total for a normal for like your normal playthrough, just a normal person to play through with listening to the cutscenes and everything. It took you about 10 minutes, if not less, because they were right there in the hangar, the ability to to heat and cool the card. Did he do that, or did he take the long way around?
0: No,
1: I was playing at the time, so I didn't even know about those pipes. Uh, I actually crawled my ass all the way back to the Blast Furnace. I was trying to give them the most authentic Metal Gear experience possible. And I I can explain why. You see, in our day-to-day life here, uh, Metal Gear is one of the few series that has contributed actual words and phrases to our vocabulary of day-to-day life. You know, my wife and I will we'll talk about Shadow Moses, like we'll talk about this being, a, it's it's like Metal Gear, it's like Snake, you know, we'll actually do the Metal Gear, like the, the repeating things, and uh, you know, I need you to buy some milk honey, buy some milk, you know, like we'll, we'll do that, <laughs> oh right? And so um, my friend had been saying to me what is this? What is this that you're doing? I don't understand, and I said, you are not a gamer, come with me we're going to do a cultural exchange, you're going to sit down we're going to play through at the time three metal gears back to back and then you will understand and yeah. um he's he loved it he's fascinated with this metal gear is now a part of his uh, vernacular as well so um if you need another bullet in the cap of why this game is significant uh for me it's because there's an entire lexicon of my vocabulary that it becomes impossible to it, a lot of concepts that it becomes difficult to talk to other people about if you can't shorthand it and say it's a ration or we're shaking this guy down for items or you know it's a it's it's low man it's like it's Chinatown Jack you know it's the Patriots <laughs> it's the Patriots man yeah.
2: the reason I asked that question is because I I, I kind of had a theory about the way they designed that sequence where um some some of the criticisms that that MGS that that the Twin Snakes gets. Are that because of because of the fact that they that they implemented the uh, the move set the control scheme of Metal Gear Solid Two into what is essentially a PlayStation One game, it makes it too easy. That's that was one of the major criticisms because they 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 added all of these and to a first time player player maybe this isn't true. So so going in with with you know with the prior knowledge of, of what Metal Gear Solid is can kind of Dilute the experience, I'd assume. But if you go in knowing what you kno- knowing the previous game well enough, um, having the ability to essentially play through what is a PlayStation One designed game, very simply designed level system. I mean they they designed these levels essentially by by stacking Legos because they were that simplified. They couldn't do that with the later games. But with MGS one they would they would actually like the tank hanger, everything they would they would map it out with Legos. And, and, you know, walk little Lego men through and say this is how the path would work and everything because they were they were just fundamentally very simple areas. You throw in all these Metal Gear Solid 2 mechanics like hanging from rails and first-person shooting and it essentially, to, to someone who's familiar with the game, it essentially breaks it because it makes it too easy. Like the, the ocelot fight. You can essentially pop into first-person view and beat it in four seconds without moving.
1: Yeah, I remember the shooting turrets was that way where I walked into a room, pointed my gun up at a turret, took it in and thought... Wait a minute! This isn't how this game's supposed to be played. Yeah, it's supposed to be harder. It's than like that. <laughs> jumping in Bionic Commando.
0: Like in the tower before you fight the hind, like you know the stairway where it's like those the, the all the all the gun cameras are just like ready to like shoot you down when you're in front of them. But you can just like stand there and like shoot them all. Yeah. yeah
1: no, that that sequence was made, meant for chaff grenades. Yes. You know, I tried to play it through as authentically as possible. Right where the okay. Really, you would have to do this. You would have to use chaff here, or you know Rex would behave this way, or yeah, we did sort of have to make twin snakes allowances but
2: the the pipes though here 's here's what bugged me, and, and it kind of worried me because if someone was playing it through the first time and they used those pipes, it would kind of kill the experience um, the The major uh, moment of that whole sequence is. You know, you, you go in, you insert the card, okay, now you have to cool it. So you have to backtrack all the way to the to the warehouse, cool the card, go all the way back to the Rex's hangar, plug it in, okay, now go heat it. Now you have to go even further back to the to the to the blast furnace and then take it all the way back to the hangar again and all this time you're 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 you know, Master Miller, you know, who you assume is Master Miller is is, you know, sowing the seeds of dissent against Naomi with you. And it seems very justified because Naomi all of a sudden is is supposedly sending communications to the to the island, and you're like, oh my gosh, Naomi's the spy at, at this point because you you always assume there's a spy in your own team in these kind of stories, and then you've gone through all of this trouble and you're finally done, and it's taken you all this backtracking, which backtracking is generally, I mean, next to escort missions, backtracking is the most hated action in video gaming, um, and so you're you're done and all of a sudden it says metal gear activated and you're like what no what and then you learn master miller's manipulating you and all that stuff and it just the fact that you had to go through all that work just to get betrayed kind of emphasized the betrayal you know yeah
1: i i can remember the experience of doing it the first time and thinking why am i doing this why in in this well designed game am i running back and forth and then having the having the moment where it's like wait no this was a deliberate Delay. Yeah, this was a deliberate delaying tactic. Uh, it's one of these weird gameplay is story uh, congruences. And at that point in time, again, I was like, Kojima is a genius. Just like when he made me, just like when he made me flip the box over and get Merrill's uh, code from
2: the yeah. back of the CD
1: case, like things that blew your your mind at the time. Nobody has still done that. That is that is a Kojima. If you say he's mm-hmm. some developer is pulling a Kojima with me. They are referencing that sort of thing—the fourth wall breaking, ridiculous. I can't
2: believe they did this. Put the controller on the floor and let it vibrate. Uh, stuff. So you would like Snatcher if you've ever if you ever had a chance to play that. Um, no, I ha- I haven't.
1: It's uh, on my list though for sure. I hear there's a good English localization of it.
2: Oh, it's it's one of the best. It's um, the guy who who was in charge of the localization for Metal Gear Solid, Jeremy Blaustein, Very very cool guy. Um, we had an interview Actually, with him a while back. Jeremy Blaustein was the localizing uh was, was in charge of the translation and localization for Snatcher, yeah. Um as well as Metal Gear Solid One. And you might notice that Metal Gear Solid One in comparison to two, three, and four ten, Snakes and Twin Snakes. Uh you ever notice it just tends to have more Americanized dialogue to it. You know, it tends to flow a little better, the direction seems a little better. The actors are are less reading their lines as characters and actually they're acting. You know, it, it sounds legitimate. You hear these people and, and they live the parts, you know, it just, it just sounds more fluid and more believable in MGS one than it does in the other games. And it's mostly in, in part, in, in part of, you know, his responsibility. That's like that. Um, With, uh, with MGS one, he, he took a lot of time to localize the script and go through and find all of these, you know, uh, Japanese axioms and, 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 and just you know coins of phrases and 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 rework them for american dialogue i mean just simple lines like you know uh those bleeding heart liberals from the military oversight committee you wouldn't hear that in in a translated game ever these days but you know back then it just seemed to flow because that was the kind of character who would say that and you know it was very intelligently written dialogue and now with mgs2 and 3 and 4 it just seems a little more stilted and and stale and for the most part, that's because they're doing direct translations and not as much localizations. And uh, it's unfortunate he's not working on the series anymore, because I'm wondering how much more well-received Metal Gear Solid 2 would have been had he made the script a little easier to digest, so to speak. Um, but Snatcher was, was, was his project, and there's, it's, when you were speaking of um, the, uh, the codec frequency on the back of the box uh snatcher kind of has a moment like that if you don't it's it's very early in the game if you don't mind me telling you about it no go ahead it's not, so it's not a big spoiler but but there's a little robot sitting on the ground at one point very early in the game and you can you can sort of hear something uh like like a tick or a beep or something and your little sidekick metal gear um in the game is like hey do you hear that what what is that noise and you start looking, and as you go through rooms, it gets a little bit louder. It's like, wait, 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 can you hear that? Turn up the volume on your TV. I mean, they tell you to turn <laughs> up the volume on your TV, and so you turn it up, and now you can hear beep, 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 something like a something like a like a bomb timer at that point. And you go up to it, and and what Kojima does at that point is reduce the level of the volume in the game to the level that the beep was, and it's very subtle. You don't notice it. So the the volume even though you have your T V cranked all the way up, the volume is is very, very you know, it's normalized. And so they're like, Oh my yep. gosh, it's a bomb, we have to get out That's of here. Fantastic. And so there's this action sequence where you're getting out and you have to fight your way out. And then finally the bomb goes off. And when the bomb goes off when the bomb goes off, he turns the volume all the way back up and it blows your speakers and it's just kaboom and, and you know, <laughs> The main character's like, "Oh, my ears are ringing," and your Metal Gear little psychic is like, "That's because you forgot to turn the volume down." (laughs) Just little things like that, you know. He's he's been doing that for a while, Uh -uh. but that's just one of my favorite moments. And you just reminded me of that.
1: I think for me, one of the things about Metal Gear is that it, the entire series is this way. It's it's rare for a game to oscillate as wildly back and forth between like profound and ridiculous as the Metal Gear series does. Um, it, I, I, you know, we've probably everybody in this podcast has played all of the games and you know dissected them. But um, you know, one of the reasons I was going on about uh, Zen to my friend is the whole, the, the fact that it is both, Metal Gear is both ridiculous and profound. It is sublime. At, at one point in time, yeah, there's a guy hiding in a cardboard box. There's, you know, you're beating people, uh, you're beating up uh, Johnny and, and stealing his clothes. We're talking about murals, butt waggling back and forth. At the same time, you have this really, you know, it, it, when you finish the game for the first time, at least for me, I did sort of sit back, you know. And, uh, and it walked around for a little while, taking it in, chewing on it, you know, live, snake, live. The, the, um, the way that its themes were presented are done in a, a very straight up uh, way in which Kojima is forcing you to take it seriously. Like he's, he knows he's being ridiculous a lot of the time, but he has something to say. And the things that he has to say are profound. And, he, you know, to a, greater or lesser extent through the series this idea is maintained you know like as ridiculous as mgs3 is there's a guy who's shooting bees at you out of his you know stomach you'll you'll flip-flop back and forth from that to um snake throwing the uh c4 plastic up and failing to catch it with his hand you know as it because of his now missing eye, and you'll have little shots like that where it goes back and forth between very real, very like this is this is almost believable, this is almost human stuff, and then we're punching people out on top of a giant two-legged Tyrannosaurus mech. <laughs> uh, and uh, I find it very uniquely Metal Gear.
2: Tim Rogers coined a term that I think fits it pretty perfectly. He calls it uh, "it was pleasantly postmodern," and I think that that kind of nails it.
1: Yeah, it, it I mean it's it is again the, old, the one of the things about Metal Gear is that it is a real gamer's game. Like there's stuff all the things that happen in there are things that can really only be done in a video game. It you have to have the context and the language for appreciating things like uh how well crafted uh each of the you know the item uses for uh, getting through specific situations are in MGS One. You have to be a gamer to understand why it's great to be able to save Meryl or let her die at the critical point of, uh, you know, the torture sequence. You have to be a gamer to be able to appreciate um, so the Kojima's in jokes and his weird ass sense of humor and the experience of playing it. It it is a real product that uh, it, it doesn't really, you know, when they talk about a, a Metal Gear movie. You know, wouldn't that be great if somebody made a movie about it? Actually, no, you know, it wouldn't be great. Because the correct for media format for Metal Gear, the correct media format is video game. It is the experience you play. It's the, the combination of codecs. Uh, you know, I describe it as one-third radio play, one-third movie, one-third video game, which is about what the original Metal Gear, to me, is. You know, you've got your codecs, you've got your cutscenes, you've got your gameplay. And the fact that it's three, three, and three doesn't bother me, you know. I think it, it's a real nifty piece of interactive and electronic entertainment.
0: get yeah, a radio play, uh, what you call it? I remember like in TOS, they had like like a, I think they translated the te- like the dialogue in the, in the radio play. Did anyone ever listened to that?
2: Yeah, the the Metal Gear Solid radio plays were written by Motasada Mori, the uh, the military advisor for for the Metal Gear series. Um, they were mostly just non-canon entries, you know, kind of like Ghost Babble, just off to the side, telling telling little bits and stories. You know, some featured Snake in the military, uh, Marilyn in a sneaking suit, that kind of stuff. They were just kind of, you know, kind of riding on the bandwagon, you know, for the popularity at the time, and um, you know, not to say too much about them, but they were, they, I mean, they were fun. Um, they, I mean, Kojima's always had a thing for radio plays. Um, Has I mean been. later. Yeah, well later. I mean later on he even acted and won uh the uh the radio play of uh, Idea Spy. Again, I didn't
1: know. And I think that. there was
2: a Yeah, he uh if you've uh do you ever play Ghost Babble? No. Go- if you ever get a chance Ghost Babble is probably one of my top 3 uh favorite Metal Gear games. Uh and Kojima had nothing to do with it for the most part. Hmm. Uh it was uh it was written and directed by uh Shinta Ojiri, no who you might recognize as the guy who's making Never Dead right now, okay. Um, and he he kind of takes more of a if if Metal Gear Solid is Ghost in the Shell and and you know Ghost in the Shell Two Innocence, uh Ii's no games are more standalone complex. You know they 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 focus less on metaphor and more on on just kind of putting things right out there in the open, and there there's there's less melodrama. And and it's it's I don't want to say easier to di- to to kind of understand, but it's more succinct and to the point. Um, but Ghost Babble was kind of an alternate take on MGS One. Like you know, you know, had had things been different, it would have gone this way. Um, and at one point in the game, if you. Uh, Dial a certain frequency. I I think if I'm I don't remember what the frequency was, but you would basically get this uh, this radio play that would come through the codec. And obviously, because it's a Game Boy game, you have to read it. But it was this long story about a about this uh, spy called 2.5, and it was more or less just a, a parody of of 007. Um, and it was just kind of funny because they had all these uh, just weird references to a lot of older Kojima material. Um and it was it was just this funny little thing that they threw in for the sake of throwing in. It was written and just the the radio play itself was written by uh Shuya Murata who who co directed uh MGS four and who was responsible for the Zone of the Enders games. Um uh, but it was just kind of a little cult thing and then later on they did a radio play of it and Kojima did the part of two point five and they had some of the actors from Metal Gear Solid come in and do parts and <laughs> it was just very funny dialogue. Um if you ever get a chance there's a there there are scripts all over the net. Uh, just one of those little side things in the universe that that it's always fun to appreciate.
1: Yeah, speaking of the actors, it's interesting to note that uh, I don't know. This probably isn't true for most game franchises, but uh, almost all of the people involved with the production of Metal Gear games, Hader and and those guys, are huge Metal Gear fans themselves. With Hader probably being the like the one of the biggest uh, champions for oh, no the doubt. series.
0: Oh David, David Hader, definitely. Uh... Christopher Randolph, I don't know if he does anything besides Otacon, really. Well, he did he's Leonardo.
1: That Wasn't he the Leonardo the Ninja Turtle? Ninja Turtle. No, and, that's
0: that's
2: Cam yeah. Clark, the liquid snake. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, Christopher Randolph, I know he mentioned in a, in a Koji Pro, he was like a dad in a Best Buy commercial where silver server destroys his car, but <laughs> otherwise... I was I've one. done some Broadway I'm pretty stuff sure too. he's
1: a voiceover for the uh, North American uh, G-Force uh, Battle of the Planets back in the day. I may have to look this up, but I was watching some um, Battle of the Planets, uh, which... You know, I was a child at that point in time so we're talking about early 80s here and I, I remember uh, I was watching it at my friend's house and Autocon's voice was coming out as either Mark or Jason in there and I, I you know, did a double take and ran into the room and I'm like what the hell is Autocon doing in GeForce <laughs> right now and then we had to go like look it up so um, it, don't quote me on this on the podcast but I'm going to go look it up right afterwards because this, this is something that happened
0: yeah, not to mean just Chris Ranavany's disrespect, I doubt he listens to this. But yeah, he does do like uh like Broadway stuff yeah. play stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Also. And Hater,
2: uh Hater's such a big fan, I mean, uh half of his uh half of his pay for the Twin Snakes went to getting all of the original actors to come back. So I mean he put his money into that project to get people to come back and do it. He's he's a huge fan. Enough that, that when he when he hears something in the in the story that he doesn't like, he'll he'll be upfront about it. Now you know they—they're not going to listen, obviously. But but the fact that he that he, you know, puts himself out there to say, "Hey, I think it could be better in this respect," you know. Yeah, didn't, he, and... he basically went head to head
1: with Kojima in MGS4 with some of the mm-hmm. stuff in the ending? Yeah, because he
2: that, thought Snake shouldn't have pussed out essentially.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean that's hater. That's one of the really interesting things about Metal Gear is that it is sort of. Again, up until 4, and I don't want to drag this in again, but you could easily... I would have felt very comfortable um, for the first three portions of the game going to a cocktail party and sitting down and discussing um, Metal Gear uh, intelligently with other non-Metal Gear aware people.
2: It's Um, it's hard to discuss MGS4 intelligently without (laughs) shining it in in a negative light.
1: Yeah, it it makes more sense up until that point to understand why Hater might have been it there. Uh, like, two MGS two is crazy batshit, but if you dig into the graduate thesis type stuff, there is a lot going on there. It asks a lot of you as a player, but also, um, it is fairly it, it is fairly deep, you know, not just the Lalalulalo stuff, but I mean the the more meta the more meta stuff. Yeah, the uh, The jazz in the rain and and the, again, larger sort of Zen Buddhist philosophy, I think, that Hideo is going for.
2: Whereas MGS4 comes off as springtime for Hitler.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, we're not talking about it in this podcast. There's a pained expression, I'm sure, on most of our faces, right? Yeah, now. I know.
2: It's, it's like I said, it's so hard to not go into it.
1: No, it's 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 Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? Oh, like dude. you you want to remember it as it was. Yeah. You want you want Indiana Jones to still be Indy. Uh, you know, you want Snake to be Snake. Want him to be the snake
2: that's crawled through Shadow Moses, and not comic relief.
1: Yeah, and again, the problem. Uh, we're not talking about MGS4, but uh, there's there's so many little redeeming qualities about it. Like the the point where you go back to Shadow Moses and you have that brief flash back to you know MGS1, just for that moment in uh, Guns of the Patriots where they remind you. of all the reasons why Kojima is awesome. When he is at the top of his game, MGS4 is the best at Metal Gear. When he is at when he's not on his game, then it's embarrassing. And it's it's sort of hard to see.
2: Not to perpetuate the discussion because I know we're not talking about MGS4, but <laughs> but just if you know enough about Kojima as a person, I don't mean to, to make it sound like I like it sounds, but but generally he's very passive aggressive about things. MGS4 it, this this is a man who when he designs a game he does everything intentionally. There is no unintentional decision. He's not he's not, you know, flying by the seat of his pants. Everything has a purpose when he does it. And with Metal Gear Solid 4, you know, like you said, when it's good, it's it's great. You know, there's there's just moments that that show you, yeah, this is why we love these games, but the rest of it just seems very passive aggressive towards people who tried to tell him how to write his games in a sense. If you follow what I mean.
1: Oh, yeah. mhm um I, I really feel it's a game that didn't need to be made agreed you know the series the series <laughs> was done
2: um going back to something you mentioned earlier uh, with the Metal Gear Solid movie idea um i I'm right with you i don't think they should ever make it, but if they ever were to make a Metal Gear Solid movie, it probably needs to be done. Something like memento, not in the sense that things are going backwards or forwards in a in a reversed order or whatever, but in the sense that it plays with the medium like Metal Gear Solid has played with the with gaming as a medium you know it 's like you said it 's in- introducing all these meta concepts like like switching your controller port or reading on the back of the box. It needs to do something like that with film in in a certain respect, and on that same note. As strange as it sounds, I think David Hayter might actually be the guy to write the story. Uh, he pitched a a treatment to Konami at one point, and the summary of it was more or less the uh, the apocalypse now of the digital age, which kind of caught my ear. Um, and he tried to get he tried to get that passed on, but I, you know, hopefully nothing will ever come of the Metal Gear Solid movie. But if it was ever to happen. That's probably the safest way it could go. Did it
0: ever come out like uh, fully, or did, or was it just like what he described? And then it's like, oh, and that didn't go through. Or did, did it?
2: It's... The the farthest it got, it got into, it didn't get into pre-production. It was more or less just still on the cutting room floor at that point. Um, they had Michael De as the producer. They were toying with, um, oh shoot, uh, director who um, Equilibrium and Ultraviolet. Who am I thinking of? Uh. I don't remember his name. Um, he was being looked at as the director. Um, if a uh, one thing, Kojima always has, has uh, respected, or in in movies, or, or rather, who he's always respected, been the Wachowskis. And um, if I mean, on his desk, he has a picture of himself. You know, sitting by the Wachowskis, or not sitting by him, but but like arm in arm, they've got their hands over their shoulders or whatever. I think if I remember the picture right, but there's
0: a shot of that in uh, in, in the EGM MGS two uh, 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 yeah.
2: issue, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a big fan of the Wachowskis, and um, he said. I think in that same article that if he w- if uh, in, in some interview way back when that if he ever had a choice for who was going to direct a Metal Gear Solid movie, it would be the Wachowskis. And it's
0: so like, oh yeah, like he didn't even he didn't even like paw to think it. Yeah. yeah, it was like, oh Wachowski
2: brothers immediately. <laughs> I'm, you now I guess I shouldn't say Wachowski brothers anymore. But- <laughs> yeah, they're not brothers anymore. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that was that was you know it it shows you that he's been thinking about it for a long time so. Hopefully, if he can't get it the way he wants, it won't happen at all. I mean, if it is to happen, he shouldn't have to deal with any outside influence. I don't think people should try to coach him on
0: There is that, uh, I remember in the, the show Maybe, uh, like that E3 pamphlet from the Code Konami booth, like uh, there was that quirk, that the little quip in the front where he's like, it took a while, but I signed a deal with someone from
2: Hollywood or something like that. I've, I've got one year. if you want me to grab, a, grab oh, it real oh, quick. I, uh, I
0: actually have it right here. <laughs> I can like just move some shit, but then like, uh, but yeah, was that? Did it? That didn't, but then it wasn't related to the film, right? Or was it?
2: Was it what? Was it related to the film or no? I think it was. I got quoted. Was in it I like, actually got quoted in that book too.
0: Yeah. yeah, but then there was like that that joke on the on the TOS where it was like related to your the you know your online machinima. Yeah. So I was like, are you guys just leading to that? <laughs> I was like, what's going on?
2: Oh, we're the we were the biggest trolls ever. I mean, I think we actually had a reputation with. With after after the whole, you know, we were actually pretty friendly with Kojima Productions, but but later on, we kind of got a reputation with them as the biggest group of Metal Gear fans that hated Metal Gear, and mm-hmm. and that's mostly in part due to due to um, some of the early negative response to MGS three, and that mostly went away, mm-hmm. but MGS four kind of kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back there. I guess I guess we'll talk about that eventually.
1: I've got. I've got one more question. I'm gonna to have to uh bow out after this, but um yeah, I, I wanted it i guess yeah, I wanted to because 'cause we're talking about this movie and and uh you know m- we're still metal Gear fans I-, I would still call myself a i can't i'll ditch be too. the club uh yeah, um, but I'm wondering you know we're talking about a game that was i mean when did the original came out
2: nineteen ninety eight well
1: 1998. in america yeah in ninety eight right so um just thinking about uh, talking about a Metal Gear movie right now. I guess a, you know a good talking point to end on was: Do you guys think that um, in 2011, Metal Gear is still? I want to say relevant as a franchise, but is it is it important historically now, or is it important important now? Because it's it's hard not to feel with things like Peace Walker and whatnot that. Um, the best thing that could really happen to this is that it goes gracefully uh, into old age, and you know, much like we wanted Snake to do. More like uh, samility. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, aside from a high-def re-release or something of the original, is there any further juice to be had here? Or are we talking about a trilogy that's been written? It's in the books. If they just quit screwing around with it, it could be one for all time, or they could drive it into the
2: ground. I think if Metal Gear wants to be relevant again, I don't think it is relevant now, um, in in the sense of what it used to be. I mean, back when MGS2 first came out, that, that trailer and the hype surrounding it, that was the, the high point of the series. You, that, the, unquestionably, that was the, the height of its popularity um now it's 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 i mean unqu- i mean it's it's really not as much as it as it used to be like you said if it wants to be relevant again though i think and i, I know this is such a cop out way of of putting it but i think we're due for like a chris nolan batman begins kind of reboot at this point you know kind of go go guiden with it the only way i think metal gear is going to become relevant is if they completely ditch the canon as we know it that seems to be the anchor that's dragging, you know, all this all this baggage, so to speak, that people are having to tr- to carry along with them just to keep up. Whereas with MGS1, you didn't really have to know much about the the the, you know, its predecessors to 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 follow what was going on. By MGS4, if you go in, like you said with your with your mom, if you don't have that pretext, you're just like, well, what? The, he's crapping in a barrel and there's a monkey. What the? What? <laughs> yeah. What is this? So I mean. Yeah. it's... I think we need a refresh.
1: I'd, I'd agree with that for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm. I would wonder what. I can't really imagine it without Hader and all of the original actor or the original components as well. But you know, like you say, uh, that well has been tapped. Um,
2: and they don't necessarily have to get rid of those actors. I mean, really, take a look at Ghost Babble and Metal Gear Acid and Metal Gear Acid Two and the and the radio plays. I mean, look at these. Look at these side games, and, and you'll see that there's so much potential to kind of do what they did with, uh, you know... Look, look at the James Bond series, uh, which Metal Gear Solid drew most of its inspiration from. Um, you know, despite the fact that then in several cases you can kind of draw a continuing storyline, it's progressing through the ages without much, you know... Without much adhesive between them, you know? You know, one... You've got the, the Connery... Bonds in the '60s, you've got Roger Moore in the '70s, you've got Dalton in the '80s, you've got Brosnan in the '90s, and you've got Craig now. And I mean, obviously they've rebooted it and they've got their own chronology going with Craig, but but you have all these previous Bonds that really weren't connected by a by a solid so- story, other than just you know peripherally. And I think, James Bond.
1: yeah, the character himself.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think that's where Metal Gear Solid needs to go is you know Solid Snake on yet another adventure and and do it you know as do it more like a one-shot each time, rather than as this long, you know, convoluted mythology that that now we, we now call the saga. And I hate I hate that term. Um, but I think once you once you ditch that, it can kind of pick up speed again.
1: Yeah, For me, you just described why Snake Eater is my favorite uh, of the series. Uh, it, you know, it's it is that reboot with a little dash of context as well in it. It is accessible from an outsider's perspective if you step into it knowing nothing you can still enjoy this experience it's got all of the metal geary things in it that we like it's got crazy uh you know auteur uh design decisions it's got wacky ridiculous a uh, dialogue it's got profound moments it's got now i'm climbing in a, a ladder now for five minutes while a music track plays what the hell is going on um you can keep that uh, now that now that you mention it it's easy to imagine keeping that but Retaining Metal Gearness, right? I'd love to see it. All
0: right, I guess uh, that's the wow. I'm hearing myself. <laughs> but yeah. No, oh, here, this is the 1st NGS MG2. Exactly. This is exactly. It. That's a wrap. <laughs> Wait, no, it's gone now. Sad. Well, yeah. I guess this is a, a great point to end the end episode until uh, until April.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for inviting me on, guys. It's been fun. I love talking about Metal Gear. Right,
2: thank you very much for coming <laughs> on, Mark. Anyway, so <laughs> no good p- talking with you no problem
1: okay bye guys right.
2: later
0: yeah. Raiden, are you receiving
2: we're still here